Welcome to the Birthing Instincts Podcast. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And I'm Bliss Young, a licensed midwife. Join us in our conversational style podcast where we talk about everything birth. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but we're happy that you're here. So here we go. Good morning, Blister. Here we are in Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. Why are we in Tennessee? Um, we left Louisville. Did we take a wrong turn out of Louisville? <laughs> we we left Louisville, the conference. It was so amazing. Um, last week's podcast was all about that. So if you didn't listen to that, go back and listen. And then um Sarah Rosser told me that the farm was only four hours away. And so I just was hell-bent on making my way over there. And then it turned out that you and I were gonna spend a couple of days together. So much to my pleasure, we got to go together. Yep. We rented a car mm-hmm. and we drove down to the farm mm-hmm. and it was like driving back in time for me anyway. I mean, we were certainly, we were listening to seventies music mm-hmm. on the radio, especially as we got close. Yeah. And then we pulled up and you videoed as we pulled into the farm and we stopped at the uh, welcome center and uh, got a little bit of history from that lovely woman there. Vicki, mm-hmm. I think her name was. Mm-hmm. Vicky. Mm-hmm. And then, um, our friends showed up, Sarah and Serena showed up to show us around. We got to walk around. But the big highlight, obviously, besides seeing some of the historical buildings and and the original buses that, right, they, that they did the up. caravan in. I mean, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the and the swimming hole or whatever they called it. Mm-hmm. What do they call it? Swimming hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's nice. It's in some Special. ways it's primitive. And you could you could see it. It's just a peaceful, peaceful aura of the place you, mm-hmm. you got that mm-hmm. Absolutely. and you could hear nature we saw deer uh we, it was just great and and then the highlight was obviously sitting down with pamela hunt who invited us into her home which is beautiful it, it is beautiful yeah, Not, yeah why shouldn't it be but it, mm-hmm. but it is uh pamela hunt was one of the original gangster midwives who came <laughs> in over and she had stories to tell mm-hmm. and memories to share and history and I'm a history buff, and I sort of was alive. I sort of was alive. No, I guess I was alive <laughs> during that period of time. I wasn't a birth. I wasn't a geek. You weren't Doctor Stu. No, I had no. <laughs> you know, I was more interested in in hitting baseballs and you know going fishing than I was catching babies. But <laughs> nonetheless, uh, I remember the era. I remember the Woodstock era, and I remember the '70s very fondly. I was in high school then when this all was going down, and the stories that she tells were just magnificent. That actually brought me to tears, which is not hard, <laughs> as you know. We love that about you. <laughs> so I hope that uh, you get a big kick out of this podcast and listen, listen up and listen deeply to the stories that the, the three midwives tell, because it is the past and it is the future of where we're headed. Yeah. Great. Hope you enjoyed this episode. See you after. All right. So I am so excited that uh, Dr. Stu and I are here at the farm with some of the lovely midwives from the farm. One of the OG, you know what that is? Original gangster. <laughs> she does. <laughs> so Pamela is one of the original midwives that came across on the caravan um, from San Francisco to Tennessee. I know the history. I don't know all of it. So I'm I really am kind of geeking out to be here with you. So just so you know, I am a a huge fan of what you guys did. Um, And we're just going to talk 
about, um, you know, the history of the farm and talk about the future and maybe some of the things that uh, you guys are hoping for and maybe some of the challenges that have happened. I'd love to like hear from you how things have changed. And we just got back from Louisville. We went to, to study breach and twins and met some of these other lovely midwives. And um, so she gave us a tour and I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves to our audience and just say a little bit about who you are, what your credentials are maybe, and anything else you want to share about giving a little background. Okay. <laughs> um, my name's Pamela Hunt and I came on the caravan. To the farm in 1970. Uh, we started catching babies. I eventually became a certified professional midwife and I'm now a certified professional midwife slash retired, which <laughs> after practicing 50 years, I feel fine about. Yeah. And I there were many pretty babies. Oh, thank you for your service. That's a long okay. time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah Rosser. <laughs> I'm a community-based midwife, CPM. I trained here on the farm. I started here in 2013 and then eventually joined the practice, but have just recently left and I'm practicing on my own um, about 30 minutes from here, super close. Mm -hmm. But Pamela did a lot of my training. She taught me a lot of what I know. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> and you guys might recognize Sarah's voice and name. She was on the podcast a few months ago with Nathan Riley. And they're born free method. Um, and she she's the reason we're here. So thank you for telling me that we were so close. But thank you for coming. Think, yeah, I don't even think I would have thought about it. And Serena? Uh, I'm a student midwife. Um, I've been an ER nurse for, I've been in the ER for 20 years. And um, my connection to the farm is that I married baby Louie from Spiritual Midwifery. <laughs> and um, we moved, we left the Bay Area and... 2020 before the country closed down, like two days before the country closed down and moved here so that I could give birth to our second baby. All of my three babies were born here. And um, we're looking for looking, believing in the future of this property. Um, I've known that I wanted to catch babies since I was three years old. So I'm realizing that dream. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I did not know that I wanted to catch babies. I I actually fought it for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I loved midwives. I had my children with midwives. My sister had her children with midwives, but I just wasn't up for the responsibility at all. Yeah. And so, but I always supported and advocated. And then it kept coming for me. <laughs> so eventually I was like, and some of my friends were like, we knew you were going to be a midwife long before you ever stepped onto the path. But um, yeah, I wasn't one of those that just knew all, all along. But the first time I caught a baby, I really do feel like it was like, love, you know, like <laughs> lights and God came down and shone the light on that baby. And I was like, why did it, why did it take you so long? So, and then of course. Yeah, well, I wasn't thinking about catching babies when I was young either. <laughs> uh, maybe catching baseballs and footballs and stuff was more my thing. I'm just delighted to be here, especially this time being invited, because a year ago I came uninvited. And I just showed up during my beast, and and uh, we met, actually. Uh, and they were very nice. Like we kind, kindly stood in the middle of the road, and we talked for about probably half an hour, and uh, some other OGs uh, rode up on their bicycles and, and we had a conversation and then I wandered off and looked at the farm. But this time we got a great tour from you guys. Tell them a little bit about what we saw. 
Well, we saw the pond or the uh, the swimming holes. <laughs> that was my favorite. No, yeah, we saw the swimming hole and we saw some old buildings and we saw some old cars and buses and stuff. I think we're probably original relics. relics. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we saw the the birth uh, the midwifery school or the center. Um, what else did we see? The clinic. Oh, that's what we saw. The clinic. We right? went to see the clinic. We, we went saw... by the original birth house. Yeah, it was here. And uh, again, it seems odd for me as a guy to be geeking on this sort of thing, but I am because I just I'm still enraptured from the the love and and uh, affection that went on in uh, Louisville. Yeah. So I want to thank my fellow colleagues in Louisville and all those that attended uh, for making it a really special event. I thought it was really special, and I hope that it inspires all of us as a as a group, like. You can do so much more than you can as an individual, and yeah. to know that you had this whole group. And I, I imagine that might have been what it was like for you back when you came out here. If you came out here by yourself, but you came out here on a bus, right? I came on here by a bus, but I wasn't by myself. There were two, about 250 of us on the caravan. Right, which gave you the confidence to do whatever yeah. you wanted to do. And yeah, we moved as a group. I mean, we went across the country in buses and our, my husband and my bus, there was just us in them. But some of the buses had as many as 13 people and brave people. <laughs> and, <laughs> what, why? Why did they go? Yeah. Mm -hmm. you were, you well, were, we were following our teacher, Stephen Gaskin, who was a an English teacher at San Francisco State College. And then San Francisco State College, a lot of the teachers started to want to teach things out of the box and so they started what they called the experimental college mm -hmm. and the experimental college had different classes and Stephen Gaskin's class first one was called Magic Einstein and God mm -hmm. and we talked about spiritual issues and we talked some about the politics of the time and which wasn't real good back then and um well, that hasn't changed. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, uh, and we talked about um, psychedelics and um, what was happening in the city, what just what was happening in our society. And we wanted to make it good. And so we thought the best thing that we can do to make it good is to live by some good standards, to help people out, to help each other out. And uh, as he was talking, more and more people came to that class, and it started as 10 people in the gallery lounge at San Francisco State College, and it grew to 1,400 people wow. over a three-year period. And so at that time, uh, some a group of ministers and, and colleges asked Stephen to do a tour around the country. Mm -hmm. and, and so he and Right. Yeah. And that was the caravan. Mm -hmm. And he and his family bought a a school bus, took all the seats out and made it into an RV. Mm -hmm. And so all the students said, no, we want to go. So we all did that. You guys all renovated buses and yeah, we got a bus for a thousand dollars, took the seats out and before it. we ever left the bus graveyard. <laughs> um and and so you guys didn't intend to start a community 
in the beginning? Not in the beginning. Yeah. No. We wanted to travel around the country. It sound, you know, we were just starting our families. I think on the caravan there were nine children, eight or nine that were little. Mm-hmm. And um and then nine of us were pregnant. When you left San Francisco. When we left. Mm-hmm. And several of our members had had babies at home. So this was something we were thinking of. And I just thought, I was one of the pregnant ones. So I just thought, well, it'll be easy. I'll have my baby at home in the bus. <laughs> my my <laughs> own. Anime and I were friends and Margaret and I were friends. And, and, um, and I figured I'd have my husband deliver the baby. No problem. Yeah. Mama. So back then, there weren't really midwives practicing, right? Or were there lay midwives or start, lay midwives yeah. just uh-huh. starting? Like there were mm-hmm. Santa Cruz midwives, uh-huh. you know, that mm-hmm. were starting. Mm-hmm. And a, there were a couple of midwives around San Francisco who went around and helped and helped. Yeah. And so it was an idea. And the hospitals were still not letting husbands be with their partners. Sounds like COVID. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, right. I mean, it's through pizza. Just, dumb. A, just as yeah. dumb, just as dumb. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, we wanted to be with our partners and we wanted to have our babies where we wanted to have them, how we wanted to have them. Yeah. And with whom we right. wanted to have them. So we were driving on the road coming here. I don't know, it's probably like 18 minutes or something off the highway, right? To yeah. come here. And we were playing 70s music and we were thinking, we were trying to imagine, I mean, we're not in a bus, we were in a rental car, but we were trying to imagine what it was like for you guys pulling up. And how did that, how did you discover this land? Like, what was that like? Well, for one thing, we didn't have any phones. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were no cell phones, there no, were no, no computers. No. Yeah. So yeah. You got to wipe that slate clean. Yeah. And so we had bus meetings every morning and, and decided where we were going to go that day. And uh, we actually landed in, when we came to Tennessee, well, we came around the country and we went back to San Francisco. And then we decided we wanted, we looked around California for land. It was too expensive. So we came back to Tennessee and we didn't have any place to park then. So we we were given permission to park in one of the parks up in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So we did that for a month. And then one of our members who was a musician went in a music store in Nashville. And the person in the music store said, you know, I have a friend who has some land down here. You can park on it. So that's a piece of 600 acre land right next to it where we are now. So we parked there for the summer and delivered, I think, seven babies. While we were in that land, we'd already delivered nine babies on the caravan. How long was the caravan before you guys got here? How long were you guys on the road together? We started on October 12th out of San Francisco and we went around the country and we got back to San Francisco in January and we left in February and we got back to Nashville in April of 78. What year? Uh, no, of yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then, so we were parked on the Martin Farm. And while we were parked over there, this land came up for sale. This was a thousand acres. Mm-hmm. 
It had two creeks running on it that were clean mm -hmm. that never ran dry. Mm -hmm. I've never seen the creeks one die here. That's lovely. So, And um, we bought this land. We put our money together and we bought this land. It was $70 an acre. Wow. So we put all our money. Yeah, land doesn't come like that anymore. We no. felt like we were the luckiest people in the world. I mean, yeah. we were very grateful. Yeah. So we moved over here. We didn't have electricity. We didn't have water. What's the first thing you think we did? I don't know. We had to dig out houses. Oh. That was primary <laughs> importance. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And then we had, we fixed up pumps on some of the springs and down some of the creeks and, and pumped the water up into a tower. And from that tower there, we, we, we bought two workhorses from the Amish, which is a community near here, and uh, a wagon. And harness goes up, and that was the water truck. And it went down and filled up every day and brought everybody a bucket. It sounds like pioneers, right? It felt like pioneers. Yeah, that's what, it it felt, that's what it's reminding me of. That's amazing. Yeah, Patricia, did, did you just have a what? Hey, Patricia. Mm -hmm. Oh. <laughs> and I said Serene, too. Right. What's my name? <laughs> Pamela. I'm sorry. Yeah. So we're not editing that out. We'll leave that in. <laughs> uh, Pamela, sorry. Um, were there just happened to be people in your caravan that knew about plumbing, that knew about wiring, that knew about welding, that knew about these things? Some. And and some we just learned, read, went to the library and looked it up and figured it out. And figured but, out how to build pumps and do that sort of yeah. thing to bring the water. Wow. Right. And wow. talked to some of our neighbors around here. Like we started, we met an old neighbor named, neighbor named Homer Sanders, who really helped us at first. Homer. And Homer, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> and um, yeah, there were the neighbors. We, you know. Because I, I just... I tend to think like in odd terms sometimes. And I just think now if you took 200 people and threw them out in a field someplace in, in about a month, you have 200 dead people. <laughs> they they wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know what to do. Right? They'd figure it out. <laughs> We're smart people. Yeah. <laughs> so how did we move from being um, a conscious communal community to really focusing on the midwifery aspect? When, when did that happen? Well, that happened right at, I mean, with the first baby. We had the first baby at Northwestern University. Mm -hmm. She was a woman having her second baby. It was like a four-hour labor right when the sun, it was beautiful. The sun was going down, and it was a beautiful birth. Mm -hmm. And so we were started, you know, but we didn't know we were, I mean, we weren't That's what I'm calling ourselves mid midwives, right. but right. we were helping with birth. Yeah. Then the second baby that we had uh, was four weeks premature and didn't breathe right away. Mm -hmm. We had to get somebody over to the bus to help us. It was actually Stephen came over. He knew, he knew CPR and gave the back the baby a couple breaths and the baby started crying. And from that birth, we knew we had to learn a lot more. Mm -hmm. And and we also, the bus was, with that baby, there were a lot of people in the bus. And from that baby, we, we thought, you know, birth is just for the parents and 
and their baby and the midwives can be there. Nobody else can come in. This was really sacred ground. This was sacred. And this was this family's holy event. And so we wanted to protect that. And we realized that if we were the midwives, we had to protect that. And so then we knew we were on the path to midwifery. And we we had a, a little manual on, um, you know, safe delivery. You know, it was in English and Spanish. And we passed it back and forth and read it. And From a doctor? No, it was a manual that one of our one of our members brought from San Francisco. It's just a, a how to have your baby an emergency child. Oh, okay. like a little very small book. Mm-hmm. And then when we went, we went into New York, and then we went into Rhode Island. When we were in Rhode Island, a doctor, Doctor Louis Lapere, found us. And came to where we were parked. We were parked in a big field and came to Anya's bus and sat down and gave us a three-hour emergency childbirth class. And what to do if the cord was around the deck, if there was a nuchal cord, what to do if the mother bled, what to do if the baby didn't breathe. Went through all that with us and uh, gave us some medications that what we medications. Could uh, methergine, mm-hmm. and which will stop bleeding, mm-hmm. and um, pitocin to okay. stop bleeding. Yeah, and um, gave us a set of instruments, a couple of Kelly clamps, good pair of scissors, and um, we'd been reading about sterile technique in the little manual we had, but he gave us a a large obstetrical manual textbook. And so we start passing that back and forth. And that was like three inches thick. Right. You know? Right. So like not quite Anthrys or as big as Anthrys books. <laughs> I mean, as big as Anthrys yeah. books. It was yeah. probably one of the editions of Williams <laughs> Beckerick. So it was probably one of the original yeah. books. Yeah. 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 Interesting to just, but the, the doctor just yeah, handed the meds, right? Pretty interesting. That that he handed us that information. Oh, and those medications. Yeah, I mean that would that wouldn't. I mean, you might do that. (laughs) Here's some medication. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The very next baby we had, we had a lady who bled. Mm -hmm. We had cord around the neck, and we knew what to do. Great. So because of him, because that was the timing was perfect. Yeah, exactly. He was the first doctor that took us under. His wing. Amazing. So we have a new sponsor, Bliss. Dr. Lindsay has been our friend for a really long time. She's been a birth colleague. And her company, BirthFit, is focused on supporting women throughout the motherhood transition with general strength and conditioning programs for preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum. Isn't that awesome? Like any phase of the journey, you can use their programs. They even have a B community where you can go to if you're trying to conceive or if you know you want to in the next one to three years, which is awesome. They have a lying in program, which is in the first, you know, beginning of postpartum. Like what they say is even a day after you can start to get into this. It's 30 days, one video a day, less than 10 minutes that focus on reconnecting and honoring your body in the immediate postpartum period. They use breathing exercises, visualization, belly massages, 
so cool. And then they have an extended program called Postpartum Program. It's a 12-week program focused on building a base level of general physical fitness with simple lifts, tempo work, and of course, breath work. And all of the work that they do um, requires no or minimal equipment. Um, So you can do it right out of your home. Um, And then of course, they have the prenatal program. They have a a basic 30-day program where no equipment is necessary. I guess you can kind of test out and see if you like their their vibe. And then they have a more extensive program, the prenatal training program, which is a full-term strength and conditioning program. Um, I mean... Wow. Yeah, I, I've no, I've known Lindsay for a really long time. She's a, she was a chiropractor in LA before before they fled and moved to Texas. <laughs> uh, anyway, we we support them wholeheartedly because this kind of a program is great for our our clients and most of our listeners. Yeah. Um, so you go to birthfit.com. That's b i r t h f i t dot com. Use the code instincts one, all caps, instincts one with a number, not the not one, but the number. To get a discount on the basics prenatal program or use code instincts two to get a discount on the basic postpartum program. All right. So we love BirthFit. Uh, it's OB and midwife approved. That's right. And right. please support them. And congratulations on your pregnancy, Lindsay. Thanks for joining the team. Welcome to the Birthing Instincts neighborhood. And then, um, so then you guys were here, you were building a community and then you were helping each other have babies. When did it start to be like a birth center like where people would come and you guys would? Well, so we published spiritual midwifery because we saw our, our outcomes were good. And, and by the way, I, I saw the original book uh-huh. in there and it said, Ina May and the Farm Midwives. Right. The newer one only says Ina May. Right. What was that uh, about? It was simple, simpler <laughs> to print it, I guess. And but we all worked on that. That never Ina May was the one who who got the idea. Yeah. To us to, to write it. Yes. Yeah. Are you and being then nice? we got everybody. Pamela <laughs> 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 is always Pamela's the sweetest. So Ina May kind of became like the the face of the farm. But there's all these other OG midwives that were here that were part of all of it. It took all of us. It took all of you. And she knew that. Yeah. 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 You want to name some names just so that from the original thing so that, you know, someday people need to remember this stuff. Right. Right. It was Ina May and then Margaret. Margaret was a good friend of mine. Margaret's last name is? Not sicker. Mm-hmm. And then myself. And then we started to work with a woman named Catherine McClure, who was an RN, who moved in to our community real, while we were on the Martin Farm. And then we trained uh, one of our, uh, in the, I guess the second year we were practicing, we trained a woman named Kay Marie. And um, Wheeler, K. Marie Wheeler. And then we trained um, Mary Fierstad and Kara O'Gorman, who were a set of twins who helped us. And they were awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those are some of the first midwives. And then there were. No, no Patricia's? 
So you were telling us when you guys became like a birth center and people started actually coming for the midwifery services. Okay, and yeah, it's in spiritual midwifery when we published that, we put out um, at the end of the book, we put out a. It wasn't really an advertisement, but it was sort of an invite. If you are pregnant and you're thinking you need an abortion, but you don't want an abortion, come here. We'll deliver your baby. We'll take care of your baby. We'll take care of you. And then we'll find a good family for the baby if you don't want to keep it. If you want to keep it, great. Mm -hmm. You can stay with us or you can go back with your parents and wherever you, you you came from. And um, so about, I don't know how many women answered that. Uh, The only thing we required, we required that you came six weeks before the birth because we wanted to get to know you. Mm -hmm. And uh, when women came, we put them in a home with um, several families because we lived in big households because we didn't have money to build a whole bunch of small households. So. And they got to see us take care of our kids. They got to see us cook for everybody. They they learned how to be around babies. And I think about 500 women came. Wow. Not at the same time. Only, <laughs> only four, maybe five women actually left their babies here. Because most women, when they lived with us and learned how to take care of kids and learned how to cook mm-hmm. and just learned how to live and learned that that was possible to take care of a baby, kept their babies. So beautiful. Learned. And those women, some of those women were the backbone of the community. They were they were very strong women and single women, but so they were. Um, amazing women yeah so as we were doing a tour today we were talking about people coming and joining this community and it's not really that easy you can't just show up and be like i'd like to live here with you guys (laughs) there's a whole process but back then these women that came and had their babies with you and had been living with you were they welcome to stay or they would just okay because you had gotten to know them absolutely okay absolutely they were welcome amazing And then I remember, I don't know if it's in Spiritual Midwifery. What's the other anime book that's really popular? I misguided the Yeah, but in one of them, the, your statistics are in there. Yes. And they're quite impressive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they are impressive. They are quite. One I of them, can give you a copy of those. <laughs> I would love a copy of those. <laughs> um, can you tell I'm a geek about this? Um, but, you know, one of the things I remember is like your, your um, C-section rate is less than five percent our c-section rate is less than one percent i believe now to this day um no back no back then back then yeah Yeah. we need to run we don't i don't know what what our current statistics are they're still low they're very very low low. but i think that that's such a um amazing thing to be able to look at your history of being here for 50 years and what midwifery the midwifery model can do overall if it was integrated more into the system yeah and the interesting thing about that i worked in the amish community as a midwife for Mm -hmm. 25 years 
and they have their babies at home and they have 10, 15 babies Mm -hmm. and their statistics are the same. Yeah. They have a very low C-section rate. They have most of their babies at home. Most of their babies are healthy and they don't have problems. Yeah. And you did breaches and you did twins. Yes. And you still have those C-section rates of 1%, 2%. Right. right. We don't do many twins, but but how about back how about back in the earlier days? Did you we had did you, did you one year we had three sets of twi- three sets of twins. Did you ever <laughs> t- tell people who came to see you in that last six weeks or something and say, you know, you're you're not good candidate. Good good candidate, that's the word I was looking for. You're not a good um, candidate. If they had a health problem, I don't really remember anyone we had to turn away, but I know I mean you know, there were other midwives that took women too, and there there might have been one or two that we had to turn away because they were, you know, they were diabetic or over thirty five. No. <laughs> no, that was just my sense of humor. I can't help myself. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was not a problem. No, we delivered Amish women who were. Um, well, past 30, well past 35. Yes. Grand, grand, grand multi. Yeah. Um, wow, that's so amazing. Thank you for sharing the history. But I, it's just amazing to be here on the land and to talk to you and to kind of put all the pieces together. Sarah, what was it like for you coming here as a student? How did that? How did that happen? So that was in 2013. We're jumping way ahead, but way ahead. Uh huh. Way ahead. Um, it was. I mean, it was remarkable. I I had started the process of trying to become a midwife and needed an internship. And um, thankfully my husband knew that we were close to the farm and was like, you need to reach out to the farm midwives. And I think I just like really bug the hell out of you guys until you finally <laughs> let me come. And I was like, let me scrub the toilets and, you know, just be around and try to be helpful and make myself useful. Mm-hmm. And you guys have not had an apprentice in a long time. No, we had. It had been like 20 years since they had taken yeah. on a student. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe everybody felt like they were towards the end of their careers and that I was a big investment of your energy. And I am. And you were, you were great. I mean, you just, you came in and helped out. I mean, you just were a huge help. Now, we're not going to turn someone like that away. Yeah. I weaseled my way in. But I think that that's really when, when people ask me about um, finding preceptors, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the things that I often say, especially in the, if they're in a rural area or something where there's not a lot of options, is go and bring things that will be helpful to the midwives to get your foot in the door, you know, like bring them food or, you know, yeah. offer offer to help out. I remember mm-hmm. one of our students at the sanctuary, that's exactly what she did. She just showed up and she's like, these are all my skills. I just want to be here. You don't have to pay me. And you know, it's just a good way yeah. of getting your foot in the door. Yeah. Make mm-hmm. yourself useful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And so I, I, let's see, I started working with Deborah Flowers first mm-hmm. and um, quickly started working with you as well. You and Deborah kind of worked the most we like partners, together, I yeah. would say, of anybody else. And yeah. so uh, you had another apprentice, Carrie, who I loved and adored, and we all four attended births together a good bit here in this house. We did mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot. It was lovely. It was, a, it was an incredible apprenticeship. I think yeah. I really apprenticed for. And I always knew you would become a midwife. Oh. You were just right there. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. 
Very great. Oh, that's that high praise. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. And it's on video. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> we are recording, right? <laughs> so this is your home that we're sitting in, but it's also where you would welcome people to come and deliver babies to? This We didn't live here then. We lived down on a farm okay. in an old farmhouse with many stairs in it. My parents built this house in 96, mm. and we took care of them in their elder years and through their passages. Mm. And then they left us this house, and we delivered babies here. I think at least 50 babies were born here. Yeah. I gave birth here. Yeah. And they did. Maybe more than 50. But And then finally, my husband and I decided to move in because we wanted to get away from stairs. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> and when did you retire? When did you stop practicing? In 2019, right before COVID. Oh, okay. And just, you just felt like you were done. I, yeah, I was 70, 78 years old. I wasn't going to ask you your age, but <laughs> I'm not afraid. I'm proud of my age. You look great. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You look great. It's fun to be a great grandma. I bet you live in it. Yeah. And, have, I think, and they live right next door, right? Right. Yeah. I can get just a little wisdom into them. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, and then, Sarah, you're not practicing here. No. Yeah. Did you for a while? Did you practice here on the farm? I did. Uh-huh. Until just a few months ago, actually. About 20 years. Mm-hmm. Ten. Ten. Ten years. Mm-hmm. Twenty. Eleven. I guess. <laughs> It seemed like a long time. She, she felt like 24. <laughs> she helped us a lot. I told you I was a real investment of your energy. <laughs> you were such a help. Yeah, no, I stayed until just a few months ago. And now uh, I just practice in the community I live in um, and do home births. And what, what um, prompted your decision to leave? You know, not any one big thing. I think that I kind of started moving away from practicing here at the beginning of COVID and 2020, the community had some, you know, strict restrictions. They, they very much followed like public health guidance around Mm -hmm. COVID. And, um, my clientele is rogue and, (laughs) um, didn't, wasn't particularly interested in following the rules Mm -hmm. and maybe me neither. And so, uh, we, I started seeing them in their homes instead of here at the farm. Mm-hmm. But also the community here, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere right now. And the the practice is in the middle of this intentional community full of residents who have some say in what goes on here. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were not loving the idea of lots of folks coming on the farm at that time. And so mm-hmm. me keeping my clients at home made sense. And I, I mean, I learned a lot about the value of home birth midwifery and yeah. that experience. Like people's vitals are different when they're home than they are, even, even in a lovely place like this. Yeah. It's still leaving your home. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so anyway, I think my transition into a solo practice probably started back then. Um, and now I'm completely, it's, it's formal. I'm, I'm not a farm midwife anymore. And that's like a really hard, that's, that kind of sucks to say, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a lot of who I am, I think. But you trained here, and you're still one of our men. I feel like you're one of us. Thank you. You know, you're part of our group head. Yeah, and and, and history. history. Yeah. Ten years is a yeah. long time. History. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. that's what I texted her the other day. I was like, "You're always, you're always uh, going to be a part of us." Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And this is all I know. Like we're, this is such a bubble out here. We don't, it was, it took me branching out in 2020 to realize there are other midwives in the state. Like I literally didn't yeah. didn't get to know other yeah. other midwives in the community or anything, and go to conferences and like branch out because we host so many educational things here on the farm. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of our time and energy to host all of these yeah. all of these conferences and yeah. stuff. And doing something like going to Louisville, like Serena just did, is not something that I took advantage of a lot during my training. Yeah, and I am finally kind of doing that mm-hmm. now. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes we get kicked out of the nest, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it feels like a really uncomfortable uh-huh. thing, but when we get to the other side, we're like, oh, I can see the whole, the bigger plan, the more financial totally. plan. For and we, we need like, that. We need that. We do. Yeah. We need midwives all over. Sure. We do. Uh, like as much as you, you know, love your upbringing growing up and your parents or whatever, like once you leave the house, you have to like, oh, what, what, what did I learn that actually resonates with my soul? And what if it does not work for me anymore and doesn't align with my like moral compass? And that's kind of, I'm at that stage right now. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, figuring, figuring out. Well, you stuff. and Nathan are definitely pushing the envelope. On yeah, we do, we do things loudly, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> it's great. I love it. I think, I think it's needed. You know, I think as we, you know, I'm, I'm older, but I'm not as old as, you know, I'm not in your generation. I actually was born in 1971. You were, yeah, like on the caravan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in my mind, I had very hippie parents, so if they had probably known about it, I would have been on the caravan for sure. Um, but I always said great things happened in 1971. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I don't remember why I said that. Why did I start that conversation? What were we talking about? Branching out. Never mind. It's gone. So we'll move on. I, I loved the segues that you had of talking about Serena um, and bringing you into this conversation as a new student midwife who, what Sarah said is that she feels like you are part of the future of what's happening here at the farm and everybody's shaking their head. So yeah. I, um, I mean, it's, I didn't, I knew that I wanted to catch babies and you know, somehow through my marriage and, you know, it has been, you know, it's just, it was like written in the stars that I would land up here, yeah. land here. You know, I, I grew up in a pretty, you know, like normal Virginia family and I um, rebelled. <laughs> and after I graduated from an all women's college, which really gave me my voice, I moved to Northern California and that's where I met my husband and practiced as an ER nurse and uh, just always felt, you know, like I was like rubbing up against the system to take care of people because, you know, pretty much right out of the chute as an ER nurse, um, they told me I was too nice. <laughs> and then I wasn't yeah, going to make they actually it. Said that. Yeah. And they told me I was too nice. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, you give that person a blanket who's homeless <laughs> on a cold winter night. And yeah. they're like, that's feeding the bear Serena. And I'm like, yeah, but (laughs) I have to go home and rest my head on my pillow. And, you know, and so they told me I wouldn't make it. And it's I've been in the ER for 20 years and I'm 43 years old. Um, And so I did make it by being nice and taking care of people. And uh, nursing, actually, my nursing school experience kind of took me away from birth because I was sort of horrified by the experiences that I had in the hospital. And uh through my own births, it brought me back. And I, you know, just in the ER, I feel like I was a fierce advocate for people. 
uh, from all walks of life. And I, I realized that my body wasn't going to handle being an ER nurse in my sixties. So I had to come up with a plan to get out. And so I was planning on becoming a midwife and with the pressure, the economic pressures in the Bay area, uh, with our one daughter, uh, we decided to move to the farm, which is where my in-laws live and where we have family and support. And I felt like I was pregnant again, that kind of pushed that move into action. So I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how we're going to afford childcare <laughs> in the Bay. And, um, so we moved right before COVID um, in, I think, like March 12th of 2020. And then I gave birth to my second baby on April 1st and um, kind of weathered in, in the, on the farm. And it had its set of challenges just because I was like behind a gate and like, you know, the country was shut down and I had to, you know, sort out all the pieces. But um, Carol Nelson called me up and invited me to come precept with her and I started doing births and I felt that calling so hard. I loved it. I just felt like, you know, the ER is pretty much everybody's worst day and birth is mostly, I mean, it's people's happy, you know, they feel happy. It's just good outcomes. And uh, so I feel it like this is what I'm supposed to do. And it hasn't been easy. (laughs) Becoming a midwife. Yeah. 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 It's not, um, it's not becoming a CPM is not like a linear thing. Mm-hmm. And I've had two, I've had, I had two, another baby. Which, <laughs> you know, uh, becoming you know, a midwife with young kids. is Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But I do believe that even with young children, that it's the right thing because it sort of fill, it fills my cup. And so, you know, with the ER, I'm really, um, my cortisol levels are kind of through the roof and I'm, I'm over, I'm, you know, I've done it for so long that it's, it's rubbing me a different way. And um, so for my children, I do think that midwifery, even though I'm going to be gone sometimes in the middle of the night or 48 hours for the prime of birth, that it's going to be better for my kids. <laughs> We're gonna be happy. Yeah. 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 Um, and when, when are you expecting that you're going to get your license up or in June? So I'm going to be catching babies with Sarah in September. And then I have a bunch of baby. I, I'm going to be done before the end of the year, as far as my catches for the pet, pet process. And then I plan to sit for my, my test sometime, uh, maybe like spring. Okay. And can you explain briefly, like for people who don't know the difference, like what, what do you mean when you say pet process? So it's the process um, through NARM where you can go and you, uh, you get your CPM through experience and not through a school. And so they have, there's three phases to it. And I'm in the, the last phase where I'm functioning as a primary midwife under supervision and so I'm learning how to take the reins, <laughs> learn how to drive the ship. So in my, I did go to a accredited school. I went to Najoni in San Diego, which is now closed. But in my training, um, so we have the didactic work and then the clinical work. So yeah. like the book work and then the clinic. So in your, in the pet process, you have the clinical work, obviously the mm-hmm. same that we do the phases. You observe first and then you assist and then you're primary. But where does the didactic knowledge come from? So um, a lot of it comes from my, has come from my preceptors. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and my primary preceptor is actually, we have, who is Karina Fitch. 
she, we have like bi-monthly meetings where we're going through the skills checkoff list mm-hmm. um, to try to um, make sure that I'm that I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to take an exam. And then I, I, and uh-huh. I am going to take a review class, just yeah. um, I think the Mercy in Action, which is what Sarah Rosser recommended just yeah. to make sure that. It's but the didactic work is, is yeah. self-guided. It's like a homeschool. Yeah. You gotta you yeah. gotta you gotta yeah. do it yourself or yeah. it doesn't get done. Like you yeah. have to read, you're not being assigned necessarily yeah. that homework, you're just having to do it. But yeah. there's certain books and stuff that they Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. Element's a tasty electrolyte drink. They've been sponsoring us for a while with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a lot of salt and, and with no sugar, as you like to say, none of the... BS, just like us. It's formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs. It's perfectly suited to folks following a keto, low-carb, paleo diet, but not for our pregnant patients who shouldn't be on any of those, <laughs> okay? Uh, but it's good for pregnant women. It's good for postpartum women. It's good for uh, birth workers. It's good for people who are outside working out. Summer's coming on. It's going to be hot and sweaty. Yeah, and it's grapefruit season. I just got my box. Yeah, well, not only is it grapefruit season, but but they also comes in a bunch of other flavors. Yeah. Watermelon, citrus, orange, raspberry, raw, your favorite. Mango chili. Lemon and chocolate, raspberry. Lemon chocolate. habanero. Lemon habanero. What is a habanero anyway? It's a, it's a spicy chili. Okay. Yeah. There you go. You know, the other day I was at a very long birth and we went to get some electrolytes for the mom to see if we could help her with some of the things that she was dealing with. And we, every one of the birth workers that was there had some too. We're like, we all need it. Let's all have some element. Yeah. And, it, we com- all have and it comes in a little packet so that you, you don't have any waste. Right. Like Great. throwing bottles away and stuff like that. You can just use it in your reusable container. We love that. That sort of thing. So we love that. So you go to drink element, that's drink L-M-N-T dot com backslash birthing instincts and you get a free sample pack with any order. Great. Thanks, Element. Thank you. Um, and NARM is actually, you guys said, on the farm. Mm-hmm. The, the, the location. Yeah. yeah. And so um, are you, how, are, how is the farm connected to NARM specifically? Mm-hmm. Might not, be a better question for you. Well, I don't really know. Not necessarily. <laughs> the the NARM office is not connected to the farm. It lives on the farm. Okay. It's one of the, well, it's like a business, but it's not really a business. It's the NARM. <laughs> <laughs> it's NARM. It's the North American Registry of Midwives. Yeah. And they have an office down there. So when women go through the process, like the pet process, or go through a school like you did, mm-hmm. those papers, if you get your CPM through NARM, those papers go through the NARM office. Okay. Now, you guys were pre-like, uh, licensure. Yes. Yeah. There was no law in Tennessee when we first yeah. came. So now, as modern midwives, um, some people really love that there's um, that there is licensure, and then other people are seeing that licensure is really limiting our ability to be able to serve families in the way that we would like to. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about licensure? Well, I actually think it was not a bad idea. Yeah, because it gave it gave the state a standard of care. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so if midwives are going to put themselves out and advertise as midwives, if they're licensed, if they have their CPM or their CNM, if they have some papers behind them, then people know that they've gone through some process to do things the right way to take care of the baby in the right way to take care of the mother in the right way. Mm-hmm. 
So it gave a standard of care. Now with the Amish, there's Amish midwives out there who don't go through the process, but they're very careful. I mean, they've had, like I said before, they had between 10 and 15 children and they just the old grandmothers that help and they've but it used to be. Yeah. You know, midwives passed down wisdom right. from woman right. to woman, right? And right. the state wasn't involved and right. there wasn't a written test. Right. And and I, Tennessee still has midwives that are country midwives that work for their communities, their churches, their like there's Mennonites and Amish. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you, you you can see the benefit of both is what I, I can hear. see the benefit. Yeah. I can see the benefit of licensure. Yeah. And traditional midwives that are serving their community. Right. But it's hard to know, I hear you. Yeah. If those midwives have been trained without having them go through something right. like standard. Yeah. yeah. It's good to have a standard too. Yeah. How do you feel about it, Sarah? About licensure? Yeah. You know, you know we're, we're really we're fortunate. We've got the OG and yeah. that and the new rebel midwife sitting next to each other. I mean, you know. Yeah, I could definitely <laughs> I could go without almost all government regulation, honestly. Yeah. That's just kind of how I roll. Yeah. But um I, we are fortunate at least to have fairly forgiving uh or gray laws in Tennessee. I hope nobody hears this and wants to go sure it up a little bit more though, but just because I'm saying that, but <laughs> we have a lot of room to use our own discretion and to fully inform the client and allow them to make their own decisions and let them be the authority in their birth. And so Tennessee state law does not upset me as much as so many of the other states licensure that I hear about. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is we wrote the law. Yes. Mm-hmm. My doctor, our doctor, Dr. Williams came to us and said, you know, they're going to make a law in Tennessee. And he said, if you want, if you want it, like you want to practice under it, you better write it. Mm-hmm. So we wrote the law. The midwives in Tennessee wrote the law, and they got a couple doctors like you and a couple nurse midwives together, and we had a board, and we made a law that made something. We made a law that we could practice under. Yeah, and you and you never felt like. Because I don't know, I feel like sometimes we can have like the best of intentions. And then like when I built my birth center, mm-hmm. and we had it for nine years, I had a beautiful vision of what I thought it was going to be. And then in the reality of what what was happening didn't yeah. necessarily align with that. Yeah. And so I think sometimes that can happen where we think this is a really good idea. And then we go, oh, I never thought about that or that or that. So right. I just that's why I wanted to wonder what you thought about it. Was, there point. were some things that were more strict in the law that I mean, if somebody had a went over two days in labor, mm-hmm. you know, we're supposed to check in with our doctor. And I, I know there's probably some hours on that. I'm not, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, that that there's a few things. You know, we we deliver VBACs. We we deliver a VBAC when a woman had three or four C sections. Mm-hmm. And we had good outcomes. Mm-hmm. We were some of it was we were very careful. Some of it we were lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and then the law says that you can't. The law in Tennessee, the midwife law in Tennessee, says you can't deliver a woman if she's had more than two C sections. I think it's three. But then three. we have to consult with a physician. Then we have to consult with a mm-hmm. physician. Yeah. Which is why it's so nice to have doctors like Dr. Sue and Nathan Riley who are willing to consult with us and are not extremely biased 
against, yeah, be backing for the third attempt. Yeah. I have a couple of questions. Um, when you guys were writing the laws for Tennessee, did you get a lot of pushback from organized medicine? Did they try to come in and say, you guys aren't qualified to write the laws? Did they do? Did you hear any of that stuff? Or was there any you know, of that stuff? I wasn't happen? one of the ones that was actually doing writing the law, but I don't think we did. I mean, we were working with a couple doctors. We were working with some nurse midwives, and we were working with the Tennessee midwives. It sounds like a really nice process, which is yeah. which is the exception, I think, rather than the rule in most states. My my concern with licensure has always been that yes, you want some benchmark for quality. Yeah. The problem with licensure in most states is that it gives people who don't know anything a ticket to tell you, the trained person, what you can and cannot do. And I, you know, these are maybe not great analogies, but you know, hairdressers in California need to be licensed. They don't tell them. You can only cut blonde hair. You can't cut red hair. They don't give them those sorts of restrictions. When things happen, you know, I never paid attention to this stuff when, until the last 10, 20, 15 years. And, and in 2014 in California, when the when midwives got rid of physician supervision, but they basically did it at the cost of giving up a lot of autonomy in things like breaches, twins, 37 weeks, 42 weeks, limitations on things. And I know that you mentioned earlier, Bliss, that there was a mixed bag mm -hmm. because a lot of midwives felt that that was it was good that we had licensure and we could act autonomously. But then you they took away the things that you that you as somebody who went through all that training should be able to make a decision between you and your client. Right. What's the right thing to do? And not having some third party, often the American College of OBGYN, the American Medical Association, the California Medical Association lobbying to restrict what you know what to do you give somebody a license and then you don't trust them to practice as right. they were trained and that's sort of a weird thing for me and that's why i'm sort of leaning i mean I've, I've last 20 years or so i've been towards sarah's side I, I just see every time the government sticks its nose in. so it's really kind of an interesting thing to hear your story that the government came wanted to do this and somebody came to you guys and said if you want to help you write the law and they actually, people in Tennessee weren't lobbied by higher powers to, right. to override what you wanted. And we can deliver breaches and twins. Mm -hmm. We check with a doctor and we have a couple, well, when I was still practicing, we had a couple doctors that we were felt good with. And um, But isn't it odd that you have to get permission or, yeah. or clearance from a doctor about a breach birth? When most it, doctors don't know how to do breach birth. It wasn't permission. We didn't have to get permission oh. from them. We had to collaborate with them. We had to talk to them and say, okay, we took our records to them and say, like if you were the doctor, I'd say, this is this woman's record. This is her weight, her blood pressure. She's going to have a breech baby. And do you see any problems with that? I don't see any problems with that. Well, the average physician would probably say, yes, I see a problem, because <laughs> they don't do breaches anymore. Yeah. That's that's the point I make, uh -huh. is that finding a collaborative position, you could speak to that, Sarah. I mean, finding a collaborative position isn't very easy. I have people from all over the country, when I go teach or speak, that say, well, will you get licensed in our state? So, Because our state, like Florida, for one, Florida is dying for a collaborative physician, and they can't. there are a lot of midwives in Florida who can't find anybody. 
to just you're right it isn't really permission isn't the right word but yeah that is a real shame Mm -hmm. because what really makes it safer for women is if doctors and midwives work together that makes it safer for all women and if we cut that out from your lips to god's ears (laughs) that's true so what's happening with the practice at the farm these days how many how many people are coming here to deliver babies like what's what's it like here now well there's um we've kind of because some of our older midwives have like myself have kind of retired yeah and so that's left kind of a hole and we have one older midwife who still practices but she's fairly busy Mm -hmm. and then we have new midwives that don't have their certification yet Mm -hmm. so we're we're trying to patch that together so we get them trained we have sarah who who can who can train midwives Mm -hmm. and so she's helping us Mm -hmm. and then there's one other midwife who is um who can train midwives actually we have two other midwives who can train and then Deborah will be back and she'll do that some of that too. Okay, great. So we're we're getting it together. I have faith that our midwifery center will continue. Yeah. I mean, COVID and and you guys retiring is just it's changing right now. Right. You guys are kind of in a in a pivotal point. COVID changed everything. Didn't it? People quit talking to each other face to face. Yeah. And that is a problem. Yeah. Because you can't. You can't communicate well on email. It doesn't, you don't see the person's face. You don't see them smile. You don't see them tighten the muscles in their face when right. they say something, you know? Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm with and, you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so COVID split and made a huge division. Yeah. Inside and of the community. Inside of the community, inside of the country, inside of the political you know, yeah, and I think we're just starting to come out of that and start to heal that. Yeah, and I make a point of making every one of my communications on the farm face to face. I get in my car or my golf car, mm-hmm. and I go down and I talk to them and I talk face to face, and I, I think it works better. Yeah, and. So much better. Yeah, yeah. Then you get all those yeah. nonverbal cues. That you- <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when I get sometimes on uh, occasions, I get invited to teach virtually. Yeah, and I will say, "Do I get to see the audience?" And if they say no, you'll just be on the screen. I say, "Like, I'm not interested. I'm really not interested because if I can't see the faces of the people, and like you've been looking at all of us as you've been talking, right. making eye contact." Right. I mean, eye contact is a bit of a lost art because right. everybody is doing what? On their phone. Right. They're looking down at their screen. Yeah. Right. I always used to joke that my, my kids, when I would drive them someplace, you know, because we had a TV in the car and stuff like that, mm-hmm. if a pink hippopotamus flew by, they they would not see it because mm-hmm. they're not looking out the window. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And when you talk to people, there's a love that passes back and forth between people. And there's a telepathy that passes back. Oh, there's a hormonal, there's a hormonal thing that's going on. Yeah. I mean, just being in your being in your presence, and you two guys too. It's like there's so much, there's so much wisdom that's come up. I hope people will just I didn't even have to I didn't really have to say anything because everything that you said, I could I couldn't agree with more about the human aspect of things and what's happening. 
And there's so much wisdom in this little chat we've had that I hope people will, will actually digest it. But you're right. Because they're not seeing us, they're only going to be driving in their car <laughs> in the middle of the night. Um, it's one of the things we, one of the things we say. We say that to people. Uh, we say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good middle of the night to our listeners because yeah. because we know what midwives are doing. Right. right. Yeah. 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 We're up in the middle of the night. Still, even after you retired. No, not after. <laughs> Try not to. Be. I hope not. <laughs> You're sleeping as much as you want these days. Well, sometimes I have questions, <laughs> and she'll answer the phone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm in the middle of the night with your question. Of course. Yeah. I had a lady called me from Alabama a, a year ago, and she said, "We have a breech baby here. What should we do? <laughs> They're scared. They're scared. They don't know what to do with the baby. It has everything good." Blood pressure good, baby's heart sound good. I said, put her on her knees, hands and knees, and go make a cup of tea. The baby will come an hour later. Ooh, we had a baby. See, these are the little little, little <laughs> gems when you sit at the foot of a midline that you get. I love that. It's amazing. <laughs> I hope you sit and write some of that. Oh, I write it down. Oh, good. I've kept a journal for yeah. 15 years. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> One of my projects is called the Bridge Midwives Project, and mm-hmm. it is really intended to keep some of that, like, um, archive, some of the knowledge from the OG and traditional midwives alive, <laughs> because we're learning different things now. And I'm not saying that those are bad. I just think there's an aspect of some of the beautiful pieces that you've talked mm-hmm. about, about being face-to-face and the heart-to-heart expression. Mm-hmm. Make what tea. you just said, make tea. Put her on her hands and knees, make tea, the baby's coming. Love that. Um, you know, and those are the little things that we learn from elders, our elders. Right. You know, you've lived yeah. a lot of life. We're going to talk a little bit about our sponsor, Needed. We love them. They have an amazing company. And you know what, you guys? Your prenatal nutrition isn't cutting it. So they redesigned the prenatal vitamin for you to be optimally nourished. They came out with a new product. I mean, I just feel like every time I turn around, they've got a new amazing product. And this one is an immune support. It's easy to take delicious elderberry powder to support optimal immune health for the whole family. You know, I was hiking the other day and I saw an elderberry bush. You recognized it? Of course not. <laughs> no. Really impressed. No, but the midwife I was with recognized it right away. Um, 70% of the immune system resides in the gut. So comprehensive support is needed. Most immune support products aren't designed for all ages and stages. Their immune support is safe and effective for the whole family kids, pregnant, and nursing moms included. So that is perfect for our followers. Yeah, so go to their website at uh, thisisneeded.com and look through their products. I mean, not only do they have a prenatal vitamin, uh, which we recommend, but they have sleep and relaxation support, stress support, hydration support, collagen, a pre and probiotic, which I think is a good thing um, for a lot of us to be taking, especially if you have immune issues or if you uh, had recently taken antibiotics or something like that. They have a whole thing for men, so you can men can look at that at their website as well. So again, we love their we love their sponsor. And what makes them different is optimal nutrient forms, dosages that help you thrive, easy to take at all stages of pregnancy. They were formulated with practitioners, and they're recommended by over three thousand women health experts, just like us. And I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I stole your. You stole it. No. Okay. So go to thisisneeded.com. Just spell it out and use the code birthing instincts to get 20% off your first order. 
thisisneeded.com. I think you get 20% off every order, but just, mm-hmm. just uh, use the code word birthing instincts at thisisneeded.com. Thanks, Needed. Thank you. I didn't ask you in the beginning how many babies you have seen come into the world. You know, when I, the last time I went through the certification process, we have to count up, and I think it was 1,500. In that number, we also went to, every birth we went to, there were two of us, or sometimes three of us. Mm -hmm. So I've been to a lot more births than I actually delivered myself. And that was the teaching midwife sometimes. I think towards the end, you were delivering yes. my babies. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they were my babies. Yeah, I always say, I always say I'm just catching. The mom yeah. is delivering. Like, yeah. you're the yeah. one who's doing the hard work. Right. I'm yeah. Yeah. The mom is delivering. Yes, right. exactly. Right. Um, so just That's important. Yeah. So I would love if you guys have any last thoughts you kind of want to make sure that, that our listeners know about. But I also want to hear, you know, if people wanted to to come and visit the farm or if they wanted to learn from you guys or if somebody did want to deliver here, like just tell us a little bit about, I don't know, whoever you feel, what what should they know? Um, I think that if you want to come here and deliver, the, my advice would be to decide that maybe even before you get pregnant mm-hmm. and make that phone call as soon as you get a positive pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. Just, um, you know, mm-hmm. with space is limited and a lot of people get turned away. Um, And so it makes it, you know, it makes it hard for us, um, especially if we have a full load and then, you know, we get a lot of phone calls for breech birth and, you know, when they find out last minute and um, my advice is that you got to make these decisions before you end up in this situation, you got to find the midwife you know, you got to make that decision before your OB fires you <laughs> at 37 weeks. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. it's not fair to the other clients to, you know, shuffle their care around um, last minute. Yeah. Okay. And by space is limited. You mean midwives are limited? Midwives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot of space. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of space. I'm working hard on being certified yeah. <laughs> to create more, more space. You'll and, get there. You know, I feel like that, you know, here on the farm, that the way that this torch has passed is so important because the original, the OG midwives, you know, they had a megaphone and they created so much change. Yeah. And we know just within a few, you know, few decades, what happened to birth, you know, from my great grandmother's generation to like what is happening now. And, and, you know, I think it has to do with that information breakdown where, you know, the physicians are being cha- trained and breached and, um, we forgot, like our grandma, we all know how to do this. <laughs> it's ingrained in us. Yeah. Um, I loved when we were, when we were walking down to the water hole and you were talking about your experience and a lot of the women who come here to deliver experiences that yeah. you don't really get reception here. Yeah. So you kind of <laughs> check out of your phone yeah. while you're here, which allows you to go back in time a little bit yeah. to a time before we had those distractions and Instagram was filling our heads with fear and, you know, all of the products that you needed to buy and all of that. Right. And you could just drop into being pregnant and being with nature. And a lot of, a lot of women have labored on that hill going down to the swimming hole from the top Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) where it's still paved all the way down to the bottom. And, you know, that was my homework when I was pushing 42 weeks 
here with my first. Wants <laughs> <laughs> to go and walk the hill. Mm-hmm. I, I walked 13 miles uh, the two days before Claire was born. Wow. I'm like, this isn't doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then, yeah. had, but then I had her. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of magic to coming here. Like, yeah, there's no hardly any cell reception and, and it's, you know, it's got this incredible feel. And, but then there's also like everyone here trusts birth and that's a really miraculous community to be around. Yeah. I like, I remember taking a a lady outside one time when she was, you know, probably transitioning and, and could not bear to put her pants on. And so she's got a shirt on just Winnie the Pooh and it squat uh, lunging down the road. And a man drove by on his golf cart and he was like, I'm just sending you wonderful vibes right now and kept going. And like, nobody's like, when are you going to have the baby here? You know, it's like, yeah. is the baby not here yet? Like everybody gets it. And that's, it's amazing to be around. Yeah, it really is. Just a quick question because of the shortage of midwives and stuff like that, but you, you're very selective about the midwives that, you want them trained here. Is that correct? What if what if a what if a midwife in California wanted to leave California? Could she come here and get a are job? You, are you thinking of someone in particular? <laughs> uh, no. I'm, I'm just curious because I mean there are midwives who are who are not happy where they are. And I'm sure that some mm-hmm. of them are listening to us right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but they can do they can they just come and apply for a job or do they have to sort of go through the trial by fire that you did and you did by cleaning toilets and <laughs> doing other things like know, that? One of the midwives that's here, even though she was born on the farm, she actually trained in Florida and became a midwife there and practiced yeah. there for a while and then moved back here and joined the practice. And we don't have an official application, I don't think. I'm still saying we, even though yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no official application that I know of, but I think you know, you'd have to be able to like kind of make it in this community mm-hmm. in order to be able to join the, the midwives yeah. um, because it's such a deep, thick culture. And if somebody is not like on board with that culture, then it would be really hard to right. be a midwife with us. But yeah. but yes, I feel like the farm midwives would be open to outside midwives joining yeah. the practice. Oh, that's good to know. Because uh, I just wanted to clarify that because I'm sure people are listening right now and saying, Wow, there's short midwives at the farm. I know, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just wait. Well, right. We're growing some of our own. Yep. It's not an impossible thing. It wouldn't be an impossible thing to come here and reapply to be a midwife here instead of California. But yeah, you'd have well, to. Well, you did. Well, I grew with it. <laughs> no, I know. But you left, you left the, the yeah. Hate Ashbury. Were you in Hate Ashbury District? Where were you guys? Uh, I was. I was sort of in here. I mean, you know, I lived outside. I lived in the city for three years. So going to college, you know. So Yeah, okay. And then teaching events. You guys said you could do put on events and teach here. Mm-hmm. There's, well, Pamela ran um, midwifery assistant classes for in workshop workshops uh-huh. for 23 years. Yeah. And women came from all over the world. And most of them came from this country. And, um, yeah, we did beginning and we did advanced midwifery workshop. Yeah. And Is that something that's not happening anymore? Now we have uh, a college of traditional midwifery mm-hmm. that's just getting started. Yeah. And um, they're taking on some students. Yes. And um, Great. 
So they're and they're not certified yet, but they're working on that. They're going to be. Yeah. They're not NEEC accredited yet. Okay. Yeah. And then people would would come here to be at that school? Yeah. Right. Okay. They could come here and be there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's Great a distance school. learning program. So they'll come for intensives for like two weeks and then go back home to wherever their community is and practice with a preceptor there. Great. And so can you say the name again? Traditional College of Traditional Midwifery. Okay. And um, we'll put a link to that so yeah. that people want to find yeah, out about the school. Yeah. They can. Any last thoughts? Anything? <laughs> any last things you guys want to say or share? No, this is lovely. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Face to face. And thank you for your time, for your service, you know, for being the pioneers. It's a pleasure to meet you. Um, you didn't tell me you were a midwife when you first came in. <laughs> I knew he was a doctor, but you're a midwife. I am a midwife. And, that, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to believe because I just didn't, uh, I just didn't see that as my path. And I looked, I looked up to midwives so much, you know, for me, they were really put on a pedestal, like they were goddesses and magic women and, you know, like, and so, yeah, sometimes, you know, you'd be like, oh, we're just women doing our best to help one another, you know, but I I really do love this work. And I, um, I would like to see babies coming into the world in a more conscious way and women really being treated with respect and feeling like they have the opportunity to have that spirit. You said something in the beginning of one of the stories about, um, you know, that spiritual connection of, of it's a whole thing. It's a holy thing. It's a holy thing. Holy thing. We, you know, and I think that family. that's gotten lost in yeah. our culture. Yeah. And I think that's really, it's not impossible to do in the hospital system, but it's very difficult right. to really drop into that right. space. That yeah. And space. the more midwives we have, the more women we have who are out there helping Women who need it mm-hmm. will make it safer for women. Yeah. 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 So thank you mm-hmm. for welcoming us into your home. Thank you for coming. Yeah. And thank you for instigating this, Sarah. And so lovely to meet you. And thank you for being the the heart of this new movement inside of this community. Those are some big shoes. Well, you know, sometimes we have to throw out the big shoes and then you go, okay, I'm not going to this, but I'm sure that I can tell that your heart and your passion is there. Yeah. I think you guys, I had such a great time practicing the breach skills and, you know, I, you know, I want to own it for when I need it. And uh, right. I feel like organizing events like that, you know, that Nathan put on it, you know, it's just, it's helped all kinds of midwives yeah. and all kinds of birth workers, which was so, which was powerful because there were non-licensed midwives there mm-hmm. that were there to learn those skills because they care about birthers. And, um, you know, it's incredible. Yeah. Strong, strong work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, um, I, oh, I haven't been a birth geek all my life, like most of you guys, but I've been a history buff all my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the last hour and a half, I felt like I've been Sitting in history, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listening to your stories. So it's really touching for me to do that. Yeah, and maybe someday yeah. you'll be sitting with some too. It's like, oh yeah, we sat in the kitchen with yeah. listens too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think so. I think so. Right. I, I had this moment at the you know where they were talking about uh, allowing. Yeah, I I I had this moment at the conference where they were talking about allowing men into those spaces and I would, and I felt a little defensive of, of the man, the men in my life that, you know, 
that we have to widen our circle for the men that are supporting us because I wouldn't have been able to go this past weekend if I didn't have a really strong man supporting me, taking care of my three little kids, my 18 month old and my three year old, which are a handful, (laughs) Um, you know, so for me, like I welcome that. I think it's incredible. I think they will be talking about you. <laughs> For a long yeah, I'm honored to, to be on the farm and to hear your stories because, I mean, I was alive then too. I mean, I, you were, you know, you're older than me, but but I'm still the, the 60s and 70s were very vivid in my mind. Yeah. And when you describe the buses and stuff like that, I, I remember that. I mean, I was only 13 when Woodstock happened, but. I remember it. Oh, you right. <laughs> That would have been so cool. Oh, my God. And they tried to do it again. It was a total failure. Yeah. 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 Can't redo it, right? Yeah. yeah. Don McLean sang about it. Yeah. American Pie songs. <laughs> I went down to the sacred store where they'd heard the music once before, and the man said the music wouldn't play. Now we're going to play that one. Right. 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 Yeah, I'll play the star. I, got it my, I have it on my phone. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to sign off. Thank you all for being here with us today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. Make sure and share it with your friends um, that you think would enjoy it as well. And um, until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Birthing Instincts podcast. We know that we all lead busy lives, so we are extremely grateful that you give us an hour of your time each week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for the latest updates and reviews. To help others join us, you can find Dr. Stu at Birthing Instincts and Bliss at Birthing Bliss Midwifery on Instagram. 